Welcome to the Get Over Yourself podcast. This is author and athlete Brad Kearns discovering ways to be healthy, fit, and happy in hectic, high-stress modern life. So let's slow down and take a deep breath, take a cold plunge, and expertly balance that competitive intensity with an appreciation of the journey. That's the theme of the show. Here we go. The ancestral health rationale hopefully makes sense to everyone because we're looking at our evolutionary past example, hunter-gatherer, and here's the foods that we ate that sustained human evolution. Now, there's healthy foods today like dark chocolate I'm a big fan of. We didn't eat those in Paleolithic times. It doesn't mean they're not healthy. In fact, there's a lot of health benefits to modern food. So we don't want to pinhole with like a sound bite saying, hey, is it off the ground or off a tree? Then don't eat it or do eat it or whatever. So moderation has failed disastrously because when you leak in a little bit of sugar and a little bit of appetite stimulating glad and protein in the gluten, Dr. William Davis Wheatbelly talks about this, that uh, gluten, bread, is, triggers appetite stimulation. It hits the opioid receptors in your brain and causes you to eat more to the tune of 300 calories per day. I needed to freaking eat more food because I had these unique factors. A, I'm trying to do these magnificent athletic feats at an advanced age. That's A and B because I'm an old guy trying to do crazy stuff like sprinting or break the world record in uh, in speed golf. And B, I have no risk factors in my blood, healthy body fat levels, no desire to drop excess body fat, no frustration from a past of yo-yo dieting or anything that's messed up my metabolic flexibility. This is Brad. I want to tell you about my life-changing acquisition of a personal home-use sauna. I have a 6 by 6 barrel sauna in my backyard, ready-made heat therapy, a fabulous unit from Almost Heaven. Check out their website. You can very affordably order your own sauna for installation in your backyard or garage and have a sauna experience, the fabulous health benefits accruing from exposure to hot temperatures. Get that sweat going. These are beautiful, traditional dry barrel saunas where you splash the water on the rocks, go in there and relax. It's become a social centerpiece at my home. People traveling from far and wide to come check out the barrel sauna, turn the dial or set the timer and walk in to 200 degrees in the Caribbean seas. For some reason, people like to come to the sauna more than my cold tub. Go figure. Check out almostheaven.com and their beautiful natural wood designs. And pretty soon, surprisingly affordable, you will be in the home sauna business. Several weeks ago, we released part one of my conversation with Brad Kearns, who is the host of the Get Over Yourself podcast and co-author of Primal Endurance and the Keto Reset Diet, along with Mark Sisson. If you haven't heard that part of the conversation yet, head over to the show notes for the link. Get on that. And this is part two of my conversation with Brad. You can find out more about Brad over at bradkearns.com. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy this part of the show. And so for me, like my daily routine is so easily getting out of hand when I'm self-directed and I have these objectives I want to do and these priorities. And then the emails come in and the phone calls come in or whatever's happening. I know that if I can like 
develop the ability to just wake up. First, I do my flexibility movement drills. I put that video on YouTube also. And then I jump in the cold water every time. Mm. It, it gives me a sense of like control and satisfaction that I'm, I'm kind of in the driver's seat with my life. And hopefully that will carry over into my ability to uh, manage my email inbox with my other uh, ambitions for the workday. And so that part is kind of like the intangibles, but the physical part of getting that norepinephrine boost. And it's yeah. like an awakening, it's invigorating, it gets more blood and oxygen going. So there's some research about having how that helps boost testosterone levels. So maybe that could be thrown into the picture. And then you were talking about Ray Cronice and his success with uh, dropping body fat just from cold exposure. It's pretty, uh, pretty compelling and interesting stuff. It is. Now, in the cold exposure, do you know this from what the studies show? I don't off the top of my head. If something like the cryotherapy stuff that's super trendy right now, if that qualifies as getting your you know exposure for the day for this, these purposes? Yeah, there's some talk about that in Rhonda Patrick's paper, and it might be um, slightly less uh, efficacous because it's um, cold is, you know, conducting the, you're getting colder when you go into the water. And, um, it's, if you're big on the cryo thing, um, I'm sure you're getting an assortment of wonderful benefits that are pretty similar. Um, Kelly Starrett thinks cold water is way better than cryo. And I trust what he says a lot. Um, my thing is like, I bought this thing for 380 bucks or something on home Depot. They ship it to your door. You plug it in, you buy a timer and and it's 24 seven temperature therapy. And so for the, the investment compared to 45, a pop at the cryo place or whatever, the monthly membership of 99 or the sauna was a little more expensive. But, um, if you go to almostheaven.com, you can see like you can order a home sauna. There's a personal use one and they're really affordable, easy to assemble. And all of a sudden you have 200 degree sauna at your disposal also. So I'm, I'm digging my side yard in Sacramento. It's like, it's unbelievable. Uh, But for cold exposure. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense that it's so simple to do. And I, I transitioned from, taking the cold shower, which is not quite the intensity that I want. I want something serious, you know, and then putting the ice, buying the ice bag and putting in your tub and all that, going to all that trouble. Now you just, you know, this thing's, you got to unplug it and then you jump in, unplug it first when you're jumping into an electrical appliance that's filled with water, uh, but it's really convenient. So I I tout that for the water. I I have to say for the convenience factor too, um, I've done the cryotherapy chambers and they're interesting. I think it's always kind of a trip to like, you know, have all the um, smoke or steam or whatever. I mean, it's not steam. I don't know what it is. It vapor, vapor cold, cold vapor or something. Uh, but I think there's more of like a mental challenging component to doing it yourself as far as like putting yourself in the cold water and saying, you know, this is what I choose to do. I don't know. There's just like a, a mental oh, strength yeah. thing that I think that is really valuable in there too. Um, go look at Mark's daily apple of the it's, it's called the maybe not so definitive guide to cold therapy because there's a lot of question about whether mm, it does contribute to fat loss with this brown fat activation, which could be an amazing benefit, but it, you could also get a higher appetite if you spend a lot of time in cold water. So it could wash it out. Wash it out um, yeah. But it's an instant cure for anxiety. It's mm-hmm. known as an instant cure for anxiety. When you jump in that cold water, you get this diver's reflex and then you get this hormonal boost of norepinephrine. And so if you're having a rough day, 
literally you can jump in there and in, in 30 seconds, you will alter your chemical and hormonal state in a positive manner. Um, Van Gogh was treated with cold exposure twice a week for two hours for his adult life because he suffered from depression and anxiety. Wow. And it's been used in the, the baths and the spa, uh, you know, uh, treatments in, in Europe for hundreds of years. So I don't know anybody who's like in, in Finland in the sauna and the, the cold jumping in the lake has been a part of their culture for 800 plus years. And um, it's there, there's something to exposing yourself to temperature stress, especially today when we're in temperature controlled environment our entire lives. Um, that hormetic stressor is very important. And if you lose that or you don't challenge your body, you start to atrophy all these attributes that are really important, like managing your your hormone balance and your emotions. So it's a, it's a hormetic stressor, a brief, positive, natural stressor. So when we're living in the van, um, there's days this time of year when, so it's all hooked up to solar. So we don't have to run the engine to power anything. Oh wow! But when you're in fall and winter months, especially traveling around the country, you're not in Southern California, you're faced with cloudy, rainy days. So you're not getting the solar charge. So there was a handful of days where we could not heat our water. Ooh. And so we'd take, cause we have a shower in the van and we'd heat or we wouldn't be able so we want to take showers, especially me. I'm like a shower person. So it's like, I'd much rather take a cold shower than no shower at all. But you know, going into that, cause it's like butt cold water. It's so cold. And especially when it's like 30 or 40 degrees outside, it's not like you get to walk out into like a tropical environment where it's super nice all of a sudden. But I kept telling myself, hey, there is a crap ton of benefits to me doing this and standing in this ice cold shower and then naturally warming up afterwards um, that make it well worthwhile. And look at this is just a really good opportunity. Yeah. And just so people don't freak (laughs) out again, I'm going in this cold tub and I'm getting out before I start shivering, before I start to feel uh, goofy. Because that can, you know, hamper yeah. your immune function. You can catch a cold from getting in cold. Yeah. Uh, but on the contrary, like a proper temperature therapy regimen has shown more resilience against cold. So if you go in the cold tub all winter long, you can experience improved immune function. And that's what Ray Cronice, um, when right. I talked to him, he was having me do it specifically for the cold Ironman that I was going to be doing was, you know, oh, that... Yeah. Again, that desensitization kind of thing where it's not as much of it. But the water there is funny that day. I'll never forget it because it was like 30 something degrees outside, but the water was like 60, which is was actually like... Feels better. Like a yeah. tub, like a hot tub almost. <laughs> so in this whole equation of optimizing testosterone, um, especially as we age, I, I can't help but talk about the diet component or supplement component, you know, what you're putting in your body now. So we've talked about things that are working and obviously you've been aligned with Mark Sisson and Primal Endurance for years and years and years now, you know, which er, er, promotes more of the low carb approach. Um, so yeah, when you've been experimenting the last couple of years with your own re- return to endurance training, how does your nutrition play into this? What have you found that's been working for you? Right. So we're, we're making our way to the, uh, the uh, the solution the the secrets and we covered the uh, reduction of stress in your uh, aerobic in your endurance training patterns so that was the big one I think if you're in a chronic training pattern you're going to tank your hormones and you're going to do all kinds of mess to your body that nothing can uh, make up for whether you're eating healthy or even sleeping a lot. Yeah. So, um, we had that respecting the, the math heart rate as an important distinction between a workout that's comfortable 
and minimally stressful and a workout that's stressful. And of course, you're going to get all these benefits from high stress workouts in terms of fitness. And you can do those. And when you do them once in a while, they can have a uh, a, a boosting effect to your hormones, mm-hmm. right? I mean, mm-hmm. a, a high intensity strength training session that's 30 minutes or less will spike testosterone and human growth hormone for females and males and give that important anti-aging pulse of hormones in your bloodstream. Now, when you start going over that 30-minute mark and you're in the gym for too long at boot camp or with your trainer or, or just hoisting the weights over and over until you're exhausted, then the stress hormones circulate in your bloodstream too long and you end up getting depleted and burnt out and exhausted and you lose those uh, that that hormetic stressor benefits. Same with sitting in the cold water for 30 minutes, right? right. So toning down your aerobic activities to be fat burning emphasis, uh, doing the strength training, the high intensity stuff, uh, uh, you know, in a strategic manner. So you're not doing it too frequently. And then we go on into the diet part and, oh man, we're, we're getting fatigue on this, on this corner too, because there's been so much uh, hair splitting, I think there's been like faction building and yeah. critique. And um, now we're 10 years into this, uh, this ancestral health movement, which has exploded in popularity. You call it paleo primal. Keto is now the hot word and most searched term for diet. And it like is all in the mainstream level too. You know, I remember when Ben and I, I first know, started talking I about this, like six, seven years ago. Cutting edge, man. Yeah, so cutting edge. Now it's like there's signs at your grocery store, the keto (laughs) aisle or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So I I, I try to maintain um, an open mind and maybe even tone down some of my extreme enthusiasm for this and that because I found like, especially with like family and friends, the more exuberant you are and the more like... Uh, you can you can kind of drift into uh, preacher mode, soapbox mode, mm. and then you don't even get the message across that you you might wish you could if you're in this world. And this is my game. I'm a you know health and fitness promoter, expert, author. I'm trying to get the message out, right? So I like to pursue that common ground where we don't have to argue about things and <laughs> find find our top priorities. Like when you go into the ER, there's a triage strategy. So the person who's bleeding out of their face gets treated before your, uh, your thumb that you got hurt in the, uh, in the gardening accident, yeah. right? So all of us listening, especially in the athletic scene, might want to make a concerted effort to eliminate nutrient deficient foods from the diet. And it could be a huge awakening to health, whether it's called going vegan for 45 days and I feel awesome. Oh yeah, what'd you do? I cut out this, this, and this. Or going carnivore for 45 days and all my all my health problems have vanished. And there's data and there's research and people you know, saying this stuff is the end all and they're all right. They're all correct because they're hitting this common ground of getting rid of the crap first. Yeah, getting rid and of the crap. I know carnivore guys. I talked to Danny Vega on a podcast and he's as fit and, and you know, incredibly healthy as they come. And he was in the midst of a six week carnivore diet. He, he was an early adopter of that, just eating stuff off a cow only. That was it. No health risks. No, his his blood values got better and better. And same with the vegan community; they're having this plant based lifestyle that's extremely healthy, and they're more conscious about what they're eating. So I'm thumbs up for all of that. But then to answer your question again, yeah, the the ancestral health uh, rationale uh, hopefully makes sense to everyone because we're looking at our evolutionary past example, hunter gatherer, and here's the foods that we ate that sustained human evolution. 
Now, there's healthy foods today like dark chocolate I'm a big fan of. We didn't eat those in Paleolithic times. It doesn't mean they're not healthy. They're, in fact, there's a lot of health benefits to modern foods. So we don't want to pin pinhole with like a sound bite saying, hey, is it off a ground or off a tree? Then don't eat it or do eat it or whatever. So you can have too many uh, things that come off a ground or off a tree, and especially like eating fruit in the wintertime or eating an excess of fruit in general. It's just turning into sugar in your body and it could be contributing to your um, fat reduction uh, frustration. So, you know, a sensible approach where you're emphasizing healthy foods. And then, you know, Mark coined this term metabolic flexibility, uh, however long ago, or maybe he doesn't get total credit for that, but people are talking about this concept of not being wedded to regular meals as your main source of energy. So I don't know how much more simple and non-controversial I can get, but it's extremely healthy to get good at manufacturing and burning your own energy sources internally. That's what keto is all about. Keto for the 10 second primer is when you extremely restrict your carbohydrates or you're fasting or starving in life, your liver will make these ketone bodies or ketones and they're burned like sugar, especially in the brain, which is highly reliant upon glucose and it burns uh, at a rate of vastly more than any other organ in the body. The brain burns 20 to 25% of all our daily calories and is only 2 to 3% of the total body weight. In our case, it's 4%, but for most listeners, it's 2 to 3%. So... Hey, I want to tell you about Schwank Grills. This is a revolutionary portable gas infrared grill that uses the exact same heating technology as the world's best steakhouses. You heat up to 1,500 degrees Fahrenheit to grill the juiciest steak you've ever tasted in as little as three minutes. Can you believe it? That's right. You do not have to go to those crowded, noisy, super overpriced steakhouses anymore when you have the same technology in your backyard. And the Schwank portable infrared grill is not just for steak. You can make chicken wings hamburgers, seafood, lobster, vegetables. I make salmon in three minutes. They even have a pizza stone accessory. I want you to visit their very informative and mouth-watering website at schwankgrills.com. That's S-C-H-W-A-N-K. Everything you cook, faster, juicier. The speed is so important, so convenient. Uh, There's a drip tray on the bottom, so you let the juices drip down. I love the bison burger, the venison burgers. That's my game. And then you can add a mixture of butter, spices, whatever you want into the tray. Pour it back onto your meat or your salmon for a huge improvement in flavor. Are you getting hungry? I am. <laughs> Let's go to schwankgrills.com, S-C-H-W-A-N-K, grills.com, and up your home cooking game. This is a one-of-a-kind grill. I have a great discount code for you, of course. It's BRAD150 to save $150 off your purchase of a Schwank grill. Hey, man, how's your sexual function? Oh, uncomfortable talking about it? Look, we talk about our injured knees, our belly fat, so it's time to get focused on function. I want to tell you about Gaines Wave. This is a cutting-edge protocol where a handheld device sends low-intensity shock waves into your penile blood vessels to stimulate a healing response and promote increased blood circulation and the growth of new blood vessels. A skilled practitioner puts the Gaines Wave magic wand onto your magic wand, and after a series of 6 to 12 very brief treatments, which are painless but extremely effective, you get real results. Gaines Wave reports an 80% success rate. Now, 
We know that popping pills is a popular penile protocol, but when you're working with clogged pipes, you just get a temporary band-aid effect when you take prescription drugs. Gainswave addresses the cause of age-related decline by stimulating growth factors and activating dormant stem cells. Translation, stronger, harder, more sustainable erections. I learned about Gainswave from my podcast guest, Dr. Judson Brandeis at the Brandeis MD Clinic in Northern California, and there's a robust network of Gainswave providers that you can find on their website near you. Complete a series of treatments, and the beneficial effects will last for a long time, especially if you eat and exercise well to promote overall vascular health. It's a tune-up for your equipment, and while it's great for ED, Gainswave is for any man that wants to combat the effects of aging and get a little boost for your A-game. So please visit Gainswave.com slash Brad. That's G-A-I-N-S-W-A-V-E dot com slash B-R-A-D to find a practitioner in your area, and you can take advantage of my special promotion, buy six treatments, and get one free. You have nothing to lose and lots to gain from gainswave.com slash Brad. Oh, I was going to push that laugh track button, but it didn't work. Anyway, so there's so many health benefits to keto, but it's been bastardized and distorted. It's the bacon and butter diet. diet Right. Dirty keto. Dr. Oz just did a show on this where, yeah, yeah. What is dirty keto? It's eating the, you know, uh, cheese and crackers and throwing the crackers away and eating this crap and that crap. And um, so, you know, the, the, the main goal should be metabolic flexibility. And a big part of that is uh, fasting and getting good at, uh, you know, burning your own energy without needing to have a meal. Uh oh, what about the endurance athletes? And it gets all complicated. We have female hormone issues and we try to make blanket statements like fasting's great and you sh- everyone should fast until noon because that means you're burning fat. And it's not, it's not so simple. So I think if we just back for, up a few steps, even with um, beyond just female athletes uh, and that, you know, I totally hear you what you're saying there, but even people suffering from high cortisol levels up to hypercortisolemia and adrenal issues, you know, usually the recommendation there is to not be going very long without or not having these like periods of high fasting where you do actually allow more intervals of eating within to allow some of this, like more, it actually can promote in a way more even blood sugar rather than like the huge spikes and fluctuations for somebody. But I think the key there is, you're often probably talking about somebody who's not as metabolically flexible to begin with. So any level of fasting is going to like send them into this tanking mode and then they replenish and they're just still kind of creating this themselves all a bit all over the map. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's yeah. a tricky one a little bit. Very tricky. I've done so much testing and especially writing the keto reset diet and trying this keto out for myself and doing 140 days strict keto and getting scar tissue on my fingertips from testing my blood so much. And <laughs> I found some um, crazy insights. One of them was um, I can make my blood sugar just fine, whether I eat or not. Mm-hmm. So I'll come in to, to hitting that stick, you know, first listening to podcasts with Peter Atia saying, my glucose is 84. It's been that way for three years. I have a continuous <laughs> monitor. I'm like, wow, I'd like to get down that low because that would mean you live a long, healthy life. And then I'm sticking my finger and it's like 117, like WTF. What the hell, you know, welcome to Facebook that stands for. Uh, <laughs> this is coming off of an 18 hour fast. And the previous meal was uh, salmon and broccoli. And the previous meal to that was a salad. 
So I haven't had any carbs in my system for 30 something hours and my glucose is jacked up. So telling you that it's not just the carbs creating the issue. I'm I'm making the glucose in my system for what I need. And I'm a highly tuned athlete that maybe is responding to a training stimulus and making a bunch of glucose because I want to do a sprint workout. And then I'm going to fast for four more hours after the sprint workout to get the maximum hormonal benefits and the autophagy and all that stuff. And all this stuff is scientifically validated, but there's a fine line that you don't want to kick into stress response because of your dietary uh, ambitions are beyond your abilities. Mm -hmm. Okay. So Mark Sisson talks a lot about his compressed eating window. He eats between 1 and 7 p.m. each day. All the, no matter what. He does killer weight workouts. He has a physique where he has a lot of muscle mass. Even he's 65 years old. Mm-hmm. He has no problem eating a salad, eating a dinner. He doesn't eat that many calories. We've done macronutrient profiles for the book and he's doing wonderfully. Mm-hmm. Um, I find personally, I've experimented with different strategies. And one of them, thanks to Maffetone and Dr. Tommy Wood, Nourish, Balance, Thrive, mm-hmm. they were looking at some of my blood values. And Tommy said, you know what, man? eat more healthy food. That was his prescription to me. The the doctor's prescription was I needed to freaking eat more food because I had these unique factors. A, I'm trying to do these magnificent athletic feats at an advanced age. That's A and B because I'm an old guy trying to do crazy stuff like sprinting or break the world record uh, in speed golf. And B, I have no risk factors in my blood, healthy body fat levels, no desire to drop excess body fat, no frustration from a past of yo-yo dieting or anything right. that's messed up my metabolic flexibility. And so he said- You're okay to uh, have that larger window. He said, you know what? If feeds. you're healthy, you should be able to handle anything, man. You should be able to go and get some ice cream and enjoy that bowl of ice cream. Not saying that's a health or peak performance strategy because it shouldn't be any any big deal. You eat the ice cream and you, you burn it off whenever. And the next day you store some of it as fat, whatever. So- it just kind of gives this more relaxed approach where, uh, and Kate Shanahan said, maybe it's not all your diet. Cause I'm complaining. Like I had a little bit of fatigue over the last seven weeks on these particular weeks. I sort of have crash and burn patterns where yeah. these three days I couldn't train. And was it because of my, my macros? You know what? There's all kinds of other factors. Maybe you had right. some, maybe you had a bad time in, uh, in daily life and, um, you know, <laughs> Uh, you're, 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 you're stressed and uh, high strung and you're making a lot of glucose and, you know, whatever. So uh, if we can, especially in the context of this podcast, we can do a three hour show on food if we want, but like if we can resolve to be more sensible, less extreme, maybe uh, rely on personal experience and also be sensible and cut out the grains and sugars and the refined vegetable oils that are killing us at yeah. an accelerated rate and get a guest on here that's going to disagree with me on that, I, know. I will, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll buy you a new microphone. The problem is, and you know, if you worked with me directly as one of my clients, you're going to be familiar with me saying this, but moderation isn't sexy. You know, it's like you're talking about cutting mm. the extremes, I agree, and just getting back to kind of like a whole food. Like, I think we're in one of the email exchanges we've had recently, you had that Michael Pollan quote of, um, Oh, eat, eat food, food mostly, mostly plants, plants not, not too much. much. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's so, so well said, so simple, but so effective. And it's so true though. And we get on, you know, especially this time of year, it's, you know, mid January and we're all, everybody's on a bandwagon or, you know, in some camp right now to, you know, jump like on the latest diet fad to change their life forever, but it's not sustainable habit creating and moderation mm-hmm. And creating like healthy habits that are going to stick with you is what's really going to 
get you the long-term changes. Hmm. But in yeah. the context of testosterone. Well, I'm going to say something on okay, that yeah, moderation. Yeah, please. Um, Cause I, I, well, I think we have to be very careful with our um, syntax. And when we say the word moderation, most people take that and run. Oh, they just stopped listening to the show and they're going to go have their cheesecake factory now yeah. because um, we said moderation's okay. And I'm advocating for an extremely strict and devoted and committed attention to your diet as maybe the biggest variable for your health and longevity. And we cannot fool around with this. And it's disgraceful what's going on in this country, the richest country in the world. Um, we have the fattest population in the history of humanity. And we have the life expectancy of your child coming up is lower than your own for the first time in, the hist in recorded history. Mm -hmm. That's a disgraceful statistic when we have all the medical advancements. So moderation has failed disastrously because when you leak in a little bit of sugar and a little bit of... Um, appetite stimulating glad and protein in the gluten dr william Bil D william davis wheat belly talks about this that uh, gluten bread is uh, is triggers appetite stimulation it hits the opioid receptors in your brain and causes you to eat more to the tune of 300 calories per day so if you like a little bit of bread with your meal or you can't live without your bread or whatever your comfort foods are <laughs> these are a slippery slope downward especially the sugar we know that sugar has addictive properties dr robert lustig leading figure on that you can watch his youtube talks or his books talking about a little bit of sugar leads to a lot of sugar because you get the blood sugar crash and your brain's telling you to eat more so we have to be extremely strict and devoted to cutting out grains, sugars, and refined vegetable oils. And then when we're 20 steps down the road, maybe you and I are, and your fridge is getting an A-plus score, and people who are super into it, and they're on the aisles, and uh, uh, Sprouts, and Nugget in the top markets. I didn't say the big one, because we need sponsor money to WF. give you... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> WTF. Uh, <laughs> if you're super big into it, then we can talk about these nuances and things like that. And should I should I up my carbs from 50 to 100 while I'm training for the endurance event? Yes, and all those other things. But we have to get way far down the road from the average people that I associate with that don't think it's any big deal to finish off a gigantic meal with uh, a, you know, a serving of cheesecake. It's like, this is a habit. Yeah. If, if you don't have like highest priority for your health and your diet, that's a habit that might be really worth breaking with a really um, serious plunge into something for 21 days just to just to extricate from the gluttony and the uh, the decadence that we exist in in modern life. So you're so right. And that's not I guess, you know, when I say moderation, I don't mean moderation as, you know, kind of ignoring some of these bigger components that you're talking about. I think of it as just not having to go to diet extremes to achieve the desired goals, but still you know, maybe I'm a bit biased in the sense because <laughs> the way I approach buying oils and fats and scutinizing nutrition labels is still it's for, habit. It's habit. It's yeah. something I've done. And it's for also knowledge. So many years, yeah. right? It's yeah. what I do professionally, helping people learn how to do these things. So maybe they're still, you know, okay. Well, getting back to those basics is the key. And for some people, that might not feel like moderation at first. That may feel a bit more like an extreme until it then becomes the habit. Uh, and also we have the psychological component, which is so important. So if there's any negativity, struggling, suffering, stress in association with a dietary change, you're guaranteed to fail. Yeah. So we don't want to go down anything that right. So wh however you want to describe it, that's why I just wanted to open it up more. Like if you want to do a gradual cutback, 
if that's the type of person you are. Some people cold turkey better, some are gradual, but just do something working toward this ultimate goal of eating nutrient-dense foods and eliminating the stuff that's toxic and poisonous, literally. So um, that's that's simplifying it pretty well. Question for yeah. you. Do you avoid vegetable oils and things, seed oil, or yeah, like refined seed oils and all that, like canola oil at all costs? Or do you, if you go out to a restaurant in Los Angeles and you're unfortunately just not aware of what oil they're using, do you allow yourself a pass on that? Um, I forget. And I feel terrible. Yeah, I'm gonna order my omelet and then I forget to say, can you please cook mm-hmm. it in butter? But I would, you know, when you watch some of the content from Kate Shanahan, I think we're on YouTube, uh, her and I together, so you can search our two names together. Yeah. And she talks about the the how these vegetable oils um, they, they destroy your brain. Yeah, they destroy just, your cells. Her resources yeah. are always the number one. I yeah. recommend to people if they want like the yeah. basic understanding. Um, smoking a cigarette delivers a disturbance to normal, healthy cardiovascular function of like eight hours and having a serving of French fries can disturb normal, healthy cardiovascular function and make your arteries harder and less the, the blood less flowing for up to 24 hours. So the acute response to French fries and vegetable oil ingestion is worse than sugar, uh, worse than smoking. That's yeah. insane. And actually, it just made, I was having a conversation with an athlete last week. I'm relatively new to coaching him. And so he, we're, we're introducing all these new, you know, nutrition concepts. And he told me that when, cause you know, he's still in that phase of learning. So not every meal every day is a perfect day, quote unquote, perfect. And so when he has a bad day, um, he mentioned that, you know, his math pace will be kind of blah, but when he has a good day, he's seen up to 30 second improvement in his math pace, just from what he ate that day alone. Wow. Of course, you know, we both agreed that there might be other variables contributing to that, but it's a trend. He's starting to notice what he eats that day directly has a positive effect on his math. And he's newer to math too. So, you know, he's not going to be one of those guys that's going from like a six thirty pace to a six minute pace, you know, where it's, you're at that pointy end. But still, like, I think that exactly ties into what you were just saying on that cardiovascular function of what junk food can actually do to our diet. And, you know, going back to the Brownlee brothers and genetics, and it's like, shit, man, those guys really got blood, hashtag blessed with the best possible yeah, genes. Yeah. Well, you're also getting a tremendous metabolic flexibility from just training at a high True. rate. And I remember going back in the the, the 80s when I was training, um, we did some hundred mile bike rides with Johnny G, my, my spiritual guide and mentor doing crazy shit. And he had me, uh, fasting for a hundred mile bike ride mm-hmm. just to see I could do it. Just drink water and Cali tea with a little chlorella powder. That was his serving to me that he goes, we're going to fuel yourself on this day. You do? I did fine. Yeah. Yeah. And then I got home and had, you know, two hot fudge Sundays from Baskin Robbins and a, a pound of pasta and whatever. So, <laughs> you know, if I didn't eat breakfast back in the day when I was training hard, I would start to feel woozy at 1030 a.m. So I was in a carbohydrate dependency pattern. But when I started pedaling for the first hour, second hour, and there was no food coming in, um, and my brain knew there was going to be no food coming in, I kicked into massive fat and ketone burning, um, thanks to, uh, having that athletic metabolism. So I think that brings up an important point. If you're listening and you have, yeah, that's right. I mean, if you are, (laughs) congratulations, if you have excess body fat and you want to get it off and you've been struggling and having difficulty doing it, you're sort of taking a fork in the road and you're going down this stone path that's different than someone who is maintaining their ideal body composition. 
And so when we talk about this big picture discussion of cutting out the junk food and uh, uh, then transition to the next point, the next point, um, the surest and easiest way to drop excess body fat, we know, is to cut carbohydrate intake and minimize insulin production. But before, we're, before we do that, that's my flippant one-liner that I use a lot, but then Chris Kelly corrected me, Nourish, Balance, Thrive. He said, before that, you got to be healthy. So if you have yeah. gut dysfunction and Amen you, you go cutting calories or you have hormonal imbalances or any of that stuff, and you go cutting calories trying to lose weight, you'll be just like me pricking my finger with the 117 glucose. You will make your own sugar and you'll just, you'll just plunge into high stress mode for however long the, the shoot is on The Biggest Loser. Was it six weeks? So those guys are in a long, hot cortisol bath for six weeks. They're dropping a bunch of weight. It's water content, it's muscle mass, and it's some body fat. And then they're going to gain it all back. And they're going to feel like crap for a year because they push themselves too hard. That's an extreme example. But for us listening, oh my gosh, you can get yourself into some deep trouble by well-intentioned uh, things to go keto and cut your carbs back because your, your gut's not working right. You're not you know, digesting the nutrients properly. You're not burning fat well. So you got to be good at burning fat before you mess around trying to lose weight. Yeah. And that's this Keto Reset Diet, the most recent book Mark and I wrote. Good. It's this three-stage approach where the first one is ditch the bad stuff, right? And just bring in some good, healthy new foods. We're not talking about restricting calories or, or ignoring hunger signals. Have a big old omelet every day instead of your bowl of cereal. Simple no pain, no suffering. And then there's a certain point where you've done some hard work on yourself, on your metabolism, and you'll see if you can last by skipping a meal. So you wake up and see if you're okay. If you get hungry at 1047, you go eat something. Mm -hmm. If you can make it till noon, that's showing that you've done some pretty good metabolic work and you have some a certain level of metabolic flexibility and you build upon that. And then someday you can go keto and get all these other benefits of transitioning into the glorious state of uh, ketone burning. Uh, but not without a long a long term view of the ideal candidate as someone who's healthy and energetic and feels good. Same with an athlete. Like when do you, when should you return to training after an illness? When you feel fine all day long and you can't wait to return to training? Not before. You know, I don't want you feeling like crap at work and then thinking about your workout until you feel great and you wake up and you feel clear and all those things. It's a tough one though for people. <laughs> it's a tough one to wrap your head around. Yeah. It's like, well, if it's just the stuff he knows, I should be good enough. You mm -hmm. know? Yeah. Um, so what are you in, in the book that you're mentioning that you, Mark, co-authored uh, with the keto and getting your health and everything in line first? You know, I've had a million conversations with Chris and Tommy and the fine folks at Nourish Balance Drive about these kinds of things. But I'm curious what you think about or what you guys propose as far as getting your health in order in the gut area. Um, if someone's feeling like gut function is less than optimal, say they're an athlete with you know, the supposed leaky gut, but they don't really have like a clear picture of what is going on. What would you, what do you guys advise? Well, first of all, like we all have leaky gut if we go bike 50 miles or more in the heat. I want to discuss the incredible benefits of red light therapy and how you can get started with Mito Red Light. Mito, like mitochondria, red light makes the premier light therapy devices in the world and at incredibly affordable prices. I stand in front of my Mito Pro 1500 unit every morning, carefully exposing my eyeballs, other important balls, and my entire body to special wavelengths of red 
and near-infrared light. When I tell people about my daily devotion to red light therapy, they typically ask, does this stuff really work? And the answer is yes, and there are thousands of studies supporting its effectiveness. Here's how. It's called photobiomodulation where specific wavelengths of red and near-infrared light, red's visible, near-infrared is not visible, that's why it looks like only half of your panel's working, these wavelengths help mitochondria in cells throughout your body produce more energy and clear waste products more efficiently. Red light exposure helps mobilize nitric oxide trapped in the mitochondria and allows oxygen to return to the cell and increase ATP production. The benefits are proven again and again for skin health, muscle recovery, joint pain, and numerous inflammatory conditions. Red light therapy is also beneficial for circadian rhythm alignment because we generally get far too little direct sunlight and too much indoor blue light from screens and light bulbs at the wrong times. You don't hear much about this benefit of red light therapy, but when I turn on those lights, first thing in the morning. As soon as I wake up, I walk across the hall, I stand in front of the panels, and I feel instantly awake and energized. And believe me, there's a lot of days where Mr. Health Guy here wakes up feeling a little groggy and a little whiny, like I don't want to right get up now and get into my morning exercise routine. But when I stand in front of the lights, in one minute, I swear I feel wide awake. I get all that grogginess out naturally. It's super powerful, super effective, besides all the healing and the cellular benefits. I also love it for being a natural wake-up machine. You have to try red light therapy. I am certain that you will become a devoted user. And guess what? Mito Red Light offers a 60-day no-risk trial period and a special 5% discount for B-Rad podcast listeners. Just visit mitoredlight, M-I-T-O, redlight.com, and use the code BRAD on any of their products. Go for it today and get started on your red light journey. Hey, ladies. You may have heard me talk about Gaines Wave treatment for improving male penile vascular health and sexual function, and maybe you thought, hey, what about my needs? Well, Gaines Wave has got you covered with a revolutionary new treatment protocol called Gaines Wave for Her. As with the male Gaines Wave treatment, a skilled practitioner uses a handheld device to send low-intensity shock waves into your vaginal area to stimulate a healing response, promote increased blood circulation, and the growth of new blood vessels. After a series of 6 to 12 very brief treatments, which are painless but extremely effective, you get real results with Gaines Wave reporting an 80% success rate. Some benefits... You will revitalize your intimate relationships with heightened sensation and arousal and enhanced pleasure and satisfaction. Don't contemplate invasive procedures or uncomfortable medical treatments. Regain confidence and reclaim your sexuality with Gaines Wave for Her. You visit the website gainswave.com, G-A-I-N-S-W-A-V-E.com slash Brad to find a practitioner in your area. You complete a series of treatments and the beneficial effects will last for a long time, especially if you eat and exercise well to promote overall vascular health. It's a tune-up for your equipment. So please visit gainswave.com slash Brad to find a practitioner in your area and take advantage 
advantage of my special promo that you'll mention when you find your local practitioner. Buy six treatments and get one free. I mean, that is what's happening during these long workouts. When we elevate our body temperature, everything's permeability. So, geez, what about starting with like clean nutrition when you're out there training? Instead of slamming down all that sugar in the name of, you know, making it through these hard work. That's the thing. Sometimes people, clean nutrition can still include like a FODMAP, um, ferment, some of these fermentable fruits and vegetables. And if someone has SIBO, a clean food can still be a disruptive food to their current condition. So know, it's, it's a very uh, tricky. That's the bad one you know? because you're, you're going to go do your expensive test too. And they're going to say, oh, you react to almonds, avocados olive oil, um, carrots, uh, macadamia nuts, and, and salmon. You shouldn't eat any of those things. And there's, right? some, there's some measure of truth to the fact that you're so messed up that you can't even eat good, healthy stuff because your, your gut lining is, has been destroyed by uh, 47 years of eating gluten or whatever's, whatever's going on. So, so yeah. I, actually, a friend of mine was just showing me her Viome results the other day. This was a new one to me. Oh, that's just so it, random and trippy. But I have trippy, not yeah. seen an actual report on it. And some of the things that she, sh- you know, she's exactly like us on board with health to the nth degree as far as her quality nutrition. But it was saying things like Swiss chard or um, mm-hmm. sauerkraut because of the histamine response, which I can kind of see that one. And a few other, you know, popular vegetables. I think even zucchini, she was supposed to limit certain things that you're like, you would never even really think that you have to limit. And you may not even feel a reaction when you eat them. Um, obviously the goal is to not have those foods be limited forever. That's always the goal, but in term fixing things, that's why I don't really, I don't do the, I've never in my, my practice, um, or working with people recommend, um, some of these food allergy or food intolerance tests. I just think that they're, they leave some holes. Uh, I'm much more of a fan of when a person is willing to self-experiment a little bit and then do a more in-depth gut test that's going to show, you know, like I, I like a test called like the GI map, which shows what other pathogens or bacterial imbalances or fungal overgrowth or whatever markers are out of line, which could then correlate to like diet dietary recommendations. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I think there's like the food intolerance tests seem to be an imperfect approach to what's figuring yeah, out what's going on. I mean, with gut. I have my own budget, budget food tolerance test, which is seeing how my digestive tract works. And if there's right. any pain and uh, discomfort exactly. there, especially associated with workouts. And, um, I think I got myself into real trouble after a series of surgeries, a ruptured appendix, and then three uh, appendix, and then three follow-up surgeries with weird stuff going on in my kidneys, bladder, and so I was in the hospital for in and out and taking massive doses of antibiotics, you know, IV for four days after my surgery, and um, I think it messed me up for maybe two years. I wasn't right in my gut, and I was just pounding the probiotics and all these different forms. Um, making these, you know, great meals with all the healthy gut foods. And it took a long time, but we have to progress toward healing rather than these backslides due to um, indulgences because it's uh, your niece's birthday and you're going to have, uh, you're going to have just one of these and just two of those the next day or, oh, there's Halloween candy. So I'm going to blame my office because the bowl was there and I ate them. And if you're Health is wavering, as you know, with all the hormones and the training decisions. If you're not bulletproof like the Brownlee brothers, this stuff can mess you up. Easily. Yeah, easily. And then we'll get down on ourselves because, you know, we think like, oh, we're not resilient. We're not good and all that. But 
hey, there's a lot of us on this boat where we just, you know, have some more special considerations that we have to take for our bodies to get to our our definition of optimization. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so how so <laughs> the going back to the testosterone context. Um, did you stick to more of a keto oriented diet in this process of returning to endurance training, or did you already bank off the metabolic flexibility you've earned and allow yourself more of that, like, um, appropriate time, appropriately timed carbohydrate approach, you know, like yeah. carb refueling, especially after one of your competitions, when you've been pushing 170 plus heart rate for 45 minutes or so. Yeah. Yeah. Good question. Um, you know what I like? Uh, I like Ben Greenfield's story on this, where he talks about he banks a lot of hours in a fasted state, in a ketogenic state. Uh-huh. He does these hard workouts when he's in a fasted state, ketogenic state. And then he says like family time at nighttime, because he wants to live a healthy, happy life. And he's got young kids and they go and bake a bunch of stuff and they have these wonderful meals and he films them for his Facebook, YouTube, whatever. And he's maybe putting away a whole ton of carbs that night. But that ensures that his glycogen reloads, ensures he gets the, um, the the gut health benefits that you get from an assortment of carbs that you might otherwise be cutting mm-hmm. out if you're keto. Right. And then you also get the best of both worlds because you spend a lot of time in fasted or ketogenic state. So I've kind of transitioned to this highly uh, spontaneous and intuitive approach where if you pin me down and ask me what my typical eating day is like, the answer is tremendously varied. Um, thanks to Dr. Tommy Wood, when I had that, uh, that scolding on September 1st, 2017, he goes, eat more food. What, <laughs> what the heck are you doing? You know, you're trying to be an athlete. You're complaining of crash and burn patterns. Cause I do, I mean, I, I go great. I feel great. And then I have three days or four days where I feel terrible or a week, uh, you know, up and down. And I'm like, I want to get rid of those lulls. Yeah. Okay. So I started eating this super nutrition green smoothie, uh, many mornings instead of fasting. So I replaced a fasting until 12 or one with this massive green smoothie. And then, uh, other days I might be at home putzing around trying to write a book and getting distracted and just eating and nibbling and having a weird day where I ate a ton of calories and maybe had uh, consequently more carbohydrates. Sometimes I go on these popcorn binges at night. So I'll make this wonderful popcorn with a bunch of butter and salt and olive oil and just inhale that stuff because it's like delicious and I'm not like eating a bowl a day. So I have moderation in my, in my corner, you know? Um, but again, you should be able to tolerate those things. I go to Seattle. There's this vegan, uh, handmade ice cream place, Frankie and Johnny's. And this stuff is incredible. It is so delicious. So I will pound the ice cream when I'm visiting Seattle, but then other times I'm pretty hardcore keto and I'm pu- pulling up good blood numbers and I don't have that many carbs in a certain day. And I think there is some, if you pattern your carb intake around your uh, training efforts, that's probably a sensible thing to do. But we now know from faster study, it's not necessary. You can restock glycogen overnight or in hours without eating carbs. So um, the more we learn, the more we know, the the more um, the uncertainty or individuality there is so that you can't make these blanket statements anymore and and come out right. Uh, But I always, I do want to go back to like, the psychological um, value of living in a manner congruent with your stated goals, such as uh, I want to maintain this type of body composition. This is my favorite weight to be at, or I want to look good for my uh, cruise where I'm going to wear a bikini mm-hmm. and work toward that goal and progress without interruption or, or suffering or struggling or feeling discouraged, like you say, and just make that shit happen. And the way you can yeah. make that happen is get healthy, 
get metabolically flexible, get good at burning body fat, and then turn down the carbs. So ideally, you'd have your hand on a dial and say, I need to drop four pounds because it's you know the Tour de France is coming up and I'm on the team this year. You just turn the dial down and you drop the body weight that you want. It's, a, it's the simplest thing ever, but it's the greatest frustration in hundreds of millions of people's lives. So I want to break through from that. I think a lot of the frustration, if we look beyond adrenal health, cortisol levels, some of those other things that we were talking about that can kind of hold you back in uh, some of these situations from just saying, hey, I'm going to dial back the carbs and magically lose whatever amount of pounds, is our mental state. And this is something that I've just been focusing on so much more, not only in my own journey, but just observing other people. And I feel sometimes it's, you know, that form of self-sabotage where we have unhealed wounds of whatever kind in our own lives that prevent us from opening these doors to the healthier eating approach. So we kind of sabotage ourselves. And so it's really not about so much of listing everything we just have listed as far as how long you're going to fast carbs and all that kind of stuff. Uh, if there's unhealed wounds from a mental perspective are things that are coming up that you're pushing away and you're, you have not faced some underlying issues in your life, that's going to sabotage your body composition goals. I don't even want to say weight loss, but body mm-hmm. composition. Cause for some people, body composition goals are about putting on pounds. Health not, goals. Yeah. yeah. I just feel like yeah. that has, you know, in this, in what you and Mark, um, you know, getting healthy first, the mental component is a Oof equally as important as that physical component. Yeah. Um, Same with the shopaholics up at South Coast Plaza. What are you guys trying, what void are you trying to fill right? with nine bags? Yeah, living yeah. in a van really teaches, has yeah. taught me that you don't need a lot to, you know, have the good stuff going on in your life. And if I wear the same shirt every other day, I that never once bothered me. Not a big deal. Even when there was a couple times throughout our travels where John and I went out to like a nicer dinner or something. And it's funny, actually, I think I talked about this already on a podcast, but when it was one day, we weren't sure of the dress code and we didn't have anything nice. So we went to Target and bought some stuff, which we ended up returning because I'm like, I, I don't think I want oh, this. Like, like Queen Latifah on Girls Road Trip. Girl, you got a tag <laughs> sticking out of that dress. We were like renting from Target. Yeah. She's like, oh, I left that tag in. I was just doing a fashion shoot. That's all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's that mental component. I think that really like, that's going to, what's, that is what will open doors for us with some of our physical goals, I believe. So what is the, what does the food represent? Is it like, uh, you know, it's a coping mechanism, coping mechanism for stress or for, um, I I also think it's, it's, you have the emotional eating, uh, spectrum, but you also have the physical need for calories to sustain your mood, energy level, and hormone balance. Yeah. So you're you're asking yourself to become an addict because you have that physical underlying thing. It's a bit of, a bit of a double edged sword because you know I'm not necessarily talking about straight up depression when I am speaking to you know mental stuff. This these could be way more subtle where you carry on relatively normally, and you just realize, oh hey, you know I had this experience 15 years ago that is still lingering there. And I haven't actually like gone to therapy or something to work on it. And that's been kind of an underlying theme of maybe that's holding me back from some things. There could be something like that, but then there could be like straight up depression where the diet component we know is so huge. Um, you know, where if we're not careful with our food choices there, it becomes a form of a drug by consuming sugars and carbs and all that. And weaning ourselves off that is where the magic starts to happen as far as our mood state is concerned. So we have to, you know, right. Right. And it's going to perpetuate if you can't wean yourself off it. 
So when I, when, when I flippantly said, just cut grains, sugars, and refined vegetable oils as your first step, that's a tough first step. It's a sometimes deeper conversation than just eliminating those things. Yeah. Putting it, you know, I truly believe that we can change our taste buds in a relatively short amount of time, mm-hmm. but emotionally, these things take much longer time. Yeah, I, that's why I, I would I would wish for anybody struggling is like go uh, indulge yourself in some fabulous meals, buy some of the great cookbooks, and find your five favorite, um, you know, ancestral aligned low carb meals or breakfasts. I mean, when I went cold turkey from normal routine, healthy eating guy, I thought grain-based diet. Yeah. Um, I had this giant bowl of cereal every day. I dating back to my triathlon days. We all did. Didn't yeah. We? <laughs> it just powered this thing. And then I, I met Mark in, in June of 2008, or we started working on the project uh, for Primal Blueprint. And he's like, so no grains. I'm like, so, okay. So yeah, no bread, uh, no pasta. Uh, what about oatmeal? Is that a grain? He's like, uh, yeah, that's a grain too. <laughs> so I went cold turkey from normal high carb diet to uh, having a giant omelet instead of my cereal bowl every day. So I knew I woke up and I was still in that habit pattern of chowing a bunch of food soon after I woke up because that's what I'd been doing for the previous 30 years. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was an easy transition. These omelets taste great with the bacon and the cheese and the avocado slices on top and the veggies. And I did that for probably a year straight before the first time I woke up and realized I'm not really hungry. I don't need this omelet to survive and exist because I'd become good at burning fat and metabolic flexibility and all those great things that will happen down the line, but you can't force that to happen. You have to kind of make sure that your, your habit changes are not overwhelming you because then you'll, you'll backslide and burn out. And that's the other thing, the overwhelming, you know, especially the word restriction is where I feel like I really specialize in working with people as well is what creates or what can make us more prone to now disordered eating patterns, maybe not even a full blown eating disorder, but an unhealthy relationship. Oh, raise your hand. If you don't have any disordered eating patterns, please <laughs> right. and, and send us your name, yeah, have, have yeah. the courage to send an email with your address and I'll send you a freaking bottle of mayonnaise. Yeah. We all have disordered eating patterns, every single one of us. And then whatever, wherever you stand on the spectrum, um, yeah, don't, don't judge, man. Or we'll be watching you with a spy <laughs> camera. Yeah. And being careful, though, to not let those turn into an eating disorder where it ends up having, you know, what was originally a intended healthy effect mm. for yourself now ends up being an unhealthy effect. Like the kind of like the orthorexia, mm. I think, is you know, what stands out the most is something Mm -hmm. that's subtle enough where it's not straight up, you know, anorexia or bulimia or something like that, but it's still, it's still a form of eating disorder this day and age. And we have to be careful with that. And that's why I I tend to be not as strict with the grain thing, like sugar. Yeah. But with grains, I case by case, it depends on the person. And for a lot of people, especially if, you know, gut health checks out and everything and blood sugar levels are, you know, managed well, like, I'm not too opposed to gluten-free grains in a diet at all. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, even, even, uh, if you don't, you know, have any trouble with gluten, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's but, you know, yeah. so John and I experiment cause I'm most, I'm say majority gluten-free and he is not. So we'll share, like he has the opposite effect. Whereas most people would react to gluten. He reacts to gluten-free things. And I'm talking like if we get the occasional gluten-free pizza or something like that, um, or like a baked good, not like naturally gluten-free foods like sweet potato, but like it's, if it's like something that uses a replacement flour that is gluten-free, that's where he has like the, 
reaction, a gut reaction to it. Whereas most people would see relief by eliminating the gluten. So we always kind of joke about that because again, it just shows individuality. You know, he's a great guy at keeping up with his blood work and all that kind of stuff too. And um, at 43 years old, he's kicking butt with his health markers and all those kinds of things. And he's never had a problem with gluten. So he hasn't really seen a need to eliminate it. And I'm not going to sit here and, you know, preach that, you know, find a, try to find a reason why he needs to, you know, right. Especially there's like the happiness component for a lot of people. And I, I think that if something's working for you and there's absolutely no reason to believe that it's bad for you. All right. You know, you can make, you can look into wheat belly and some of these other resources though, and say outright, no matter who you are, gluten is, you know, killing us in some, to some degree, maybe not straight up killing us, but it's not necessarily doing us any good. And I think you kind of just have to choose how you want to interpret a lot of these things in your own personal life. Well, uh, yeah, we're, we're all, we all, we all have our free choice and our priorities. And I hear a lot of people with their, uh, their, their own one-liners back at a, at a, at a health, uh, uh, enthusiast where, you know, you might as well, might as well enjoy so uh, of course I'm not going to deny myself the cheesecake because it's fantastic and same with the hot fudge sundae and same yeah. with the five handfuls of the thing. Um, but that's where like at the start of the show, like me being honest with myself and identifying myself as an overly positive person because I didn't want to face, um, mm. you know, confrontational conversations or negativity in my life. You know, that's, that was a big awakening for me. And with this thing, like the story you're telling right now, relating to your dietary habits. And you told John's story for, for he, he, he didn't get to speak for himself, but he sounds like he's pretty well adjusted, but it's like, whatever story we're telling, I hear a lot of stories where I, I, I bite my tongue, you know, coming back at him like, Oh, Oh really? You know, cause it's, it's sort of like a, a cop out or some sort of coping mechanism where they're not really facing that they are living in a manner incongruent with their goals where they, they wish they looked better and felt better, but they have some statement like, well, you know, um, beer is the, the centerpiece of the social occasion for yeah. me and my buddies. Well, you know, if someone came with a soda water, like I have my whole adult life, I don't drink alcohol just cause I don't like it. No, no big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't missed out. And I was also like, I had an upper hand in college because I go to these parties, everybody was drunk except me, but I could act silly really quickly and, and look like a drunk, <laughs> but I was the only one in the room that knew what was going like on. Was oh, like it was, you. it was fun. Yeah. <laughs> Susie, how are you? It oh. is fun to be the yeah. sober one at parties. Yeah, yeah. I enjoy it yeah. too. So um, there's always a way, there's always a way to find, to try to try to be better and have more, more pleasure, pleasure and less suffering is kind of the conclusion yeah. to that thought. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the show. We would love your feedback at getoveryourselfpodcast at gmail.com. And we would also love if you could leave a rating and a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. I know it's a hassle. You have to go to desktop iTunes, click on the tab that says ratings and reviews, and then click to rate the show anywhere from five to five stars. And it really helps spread the word so more people can find the show and get over themselves because they need to. Thanks for doing it.